Welcome back to the Book Truck Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and my passion is for books and people who love books. I run Daisy Chain Book Company, a bookshop on wheels in Edmonton, Canada, and I have been known to have up to five books on the go all at the same time. On this podcast, I talk about books, reading life, book truck life, the business of running a book truck, and I get to have great conversations with readers that I meet from all over who have incredibly diverse reading lives and are regularly suggesting titles that I'm adding to my TBR list. So if this is interesting to you, I'm thrilled that you're here. And today, I want to give a high five to Caitlin. Caitlin, you might remember from chapter five of this podcast, who we sat down and talked about books that she loved, books that I loved, movies that we did and didn't love based on books. Well, Caitlin has been a very loyal member of the Daisy Chain Book Company community from day one. She's right here in my community. She is freaking awesome. And this last week, she filled my trunk with amazing books that I just know eager readers all through central Alberta cannot wait to get their hands on. So thank you, Caitlin, for your kindness, your generosity, and all of your support. I appreciate you more than you know. Today on the Book Truck Chronicles, I will be sharing my conversation with Darla Woodley, a local mom, children's book author, and advocate for compassion. Darla and I met last year, and we instantly connected over our love for a good story, the innovation of a bold idea, and our shared difficulty with being in the spotlight. She is an inspiration, taking the bull by the horns and moving forward in a field that she knew nothing about, self-publishing. For any budding authors out there, pay attention to what determination, tenacity, and a great idea can generate. I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Darla. Okay. So Darla, I am so glad that you're able to spend time talking with me today. Now that we've got the technology all figured out. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) So now you and I have definitely chatted and I have had the delight of reading your book and um, talking with you. So can you tell everybody listening a little bit about you and about the amazing book that you've written? My name is Darla Woodley. And I am a first-time and self-published author of Red Sox Go With Absolutely Anything. It's a children's picture book, but actually, I like to say it's a read for everyone, any age. And it's an award winner. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yes. (laughs) That's so exciting. So what inspired you to write Red Sox? Actually, Red Sox is actually based on my family tradition. We wear Red Sox as a silent means of showing support and encouragement for others. And we had, you kind of know the background, but we had three individuals in our family that weren't doing too well. And we were rotating between three different hospitals, visiting them. And in each hospital I wore, and a number of our other family members did too, our Red Sox just as a silent means of showing them support. And often, you know, you lift a pant leg and red socks are just hard to miss. So it kind of Mm -hmm. brought a smile to their faces. And it started out that I asked family and friends to come together and send me photos of them wearing their red socks so that I could put together a photo book for each of my family members. 
so that they could flip through this photo book and know that even though we weren't with them at bedside, that we were there thinking of them and hopefully the book was going to make them smile and just kind of laugh at some of the quotes that I put in the book and just bring their spirits up because it can be kind of a downer to just sit alone in a hospital room. Yeah. And this way they knew everybody was with them. So that's where it started was a photo book. That's so awesome. <laughs> and everybody, great idea. Thank you. But everybody knows and I'm known for having my camera wherever I go. So it's no surprise that it started out as a photo book. And from there, when we ended up losing our family members within about six months of each other, and I love the idea of the Red Sox and just thought they kind of gave us all something to talk about and brought us together and hopefully made our family members feel a little bit happier. And I thought that it was a great story to share that notion of just having that secret and silent means of showing each other that you're caring for them and that you're with them and you're cheering them on. So out of that, I sat down and typed a story and it came out pretty quick. And then the decision came, well, what do I do with this story? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> it's great on a computer, but um, I have two boys. And in the back of my mind, as you know, with your children is always the notion that these two individuals are constantly watching you, even though sometimes you think they aren't. They're always watching you and seeing what you're going to do. And so I thought I have to rise to the challenge because I'm often telling my two boys you know, you guys can do anything. You just don't be afraid to take a chance. You go for it. And so I decided to set an example and go for it. Started some research. And from there, I found and learned more about the self-publishing industry. And how was that process? Was it challenging or was it fairly straightforward? I found it was, it was challenging, honestly, because I'm not an individual that comes from the literary world, per se. Uh, my background has always been involved in business and finance. So to go to jump from that area into the literary world was a lot of research. I have so many bookmarks on my phone from trying to search up information and so many book bookmarks on my computer from doing all the research. So it was quite a process and a very interesting one too. And again, there were many times where I thought, oh my goodness, this is just not going to happen. I don't know enough yeah. about it. But again, I've got two little boys that are watching me. And so on I went and pursued. And I came in touch with a number of wonderful individuals that do have experience in the literary world and told them about my Red Sox project that I wanted to get this book out about our family tradition. And my goal with the book was to actually ensure that when copies were purchased, additional copies were going to be able to be printed. And then I would donate them to schools or charitable organizations that could benefit from the message within it. And that message simply is that you are strong, you are ready, you can do anything. So I love that. These individuals that I came into contact were so behind me and with me. Um, they were instrumental in seeing the book to, to the end and were so instrumental in helping me out. And the end product is just something that I'm very proud of. <laughs> and you should be. It is it is a really great book. Oh, thank and I can you. totally I can totally see how kids hearing that would want to put themselves in the place of, yeah, it is possible. I could do that thing. Right? Because yeah. I think so many times they're very aware of limitations because they compare themselves all the time. Or they just don't think they are old enough or ready enough. But that book really does give a good 
um, preparation for them to consider something else. It is. It is a good message. And honestly, you know, it's not just for kids because there are so many times in my adult life now where (laughs) I'm not the most outgoing person and sometimes tend to be in the background and tend to shy away from some challenges. But I often hear myself repeating that mantra of, you know what, I am strong. I'm ready. I can do it. I can do anything. So it's a book for anybody. It's the message within it is good for all ages. I love that. And you have gone into schools to read it to kids, right? Did I I hear that right? I do. Yes. My favorite week. I mean, I love Christmas, but I love reading week. Going to the different schools is amazing. And I'm so proud to say that now I'm getting to a point where my face isn't as red as my socks. It used to be a, it used to be a pretty hot experience for me. I could feel that face oh. heating up, but I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Yeah, I, I understand that. I have a very hard time speaking in public. Yes. And usually I'll get red and then I'll cry. So I... Reading, at least I could hide behind a book. Yes. But you but you would hold it out so they could see the book, and you can't really hide, right? I would. And, you know, starting out and looking back, I remember telling them, I'm so sorry. You know, like, I know your teacher knows how to do this perfectly to read it and, and show you the pictures, but I'm just in a learning process here. But mm-hmm. I've advanced so much so that now I actually have a whole uh, video presentation that goes along with it. Oh, you do. Well, I'm actually, you know, these schools are so smart now with their smart boards. Yeah. That I can actually, I put the book into a presentation so I can actually hold the book and read from it and put it up on the screen so that all the kids can see the pictures, the illustrations. I'm not hiding them. That's a game changer, isn't it? It is. And I'm loving it. (laughs) Wow. It is. And then most importantly that we go through the book and talk about it and we stop and we talk about the experiences that are in it. That's the other reason why I find it great to read to the kids and to show other people how you could potentially read a story to the kids because you can stop on a page and talk about an experience that you've had that relates to the character. Mm -hmm. And so often, you know, these teachers are telling like, how much time do I have? And, you know, to tell me that I've only got like 20 minutes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know. (laughs) Whereas 20 minutes long ago would have been like, oh, this is going to be a very hot 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you're a master now. I'm getting there. I'm probably by no means a master, but I enjoy visiting the schools and it's the highlight of my, usually it's October's reading week, I think. Some schools are different, varying ones. Um, the city of Edmonton, I think, is in October there where they have it and I love it. I look forward to it every year. Well, they must be very excited to have you come because it's not every day that a local author can come and read their own story to the kids. That's a pretty big deal. I, it, it, I think it would be pretty cool, I guess. I never think of it that way. I just, um, I'm just so excited to get there and to, to read to them and hear their stories. And quite often they tell me about their writing or their, their drawings, their illustrations that they're working on. And, and it's really neat to hear someone say, you know what, I'm going to keep doing it because you did it. So. Yeah. Good for you inspiring them. I love it. <laughs> and so what is next in your Red Sox future what, as an author? What, what's coming up next for you? Well, I actually got the second book back from the editor in the late fall here. So there is another you book. You did. I did. I did. <gasps> 
That's exciting. It is exciting. I'm just sitting now on that process of, again, what am I going to do? I know that much more than what I did when I first started out about the self-publishing right. process. But I find, I find it difficult to, I mean, the Red Sox journey is not over yet, but I find it difficult as a self-published author. And I'm going to say, you know, just Darla. I find it really hard to get the word out there. It's a lot of work. No, oh, I bet it is. And so I'm not the big author name. So I find it um, challenging to get the word out there. I want to share the book with so many people. But, you know, there's so many individuals that do try the self-publishing route. And the market is certainly flooded with those many books that are available. So it's it's challenge. So whether yeah. or not I go that same route again, or whether or not I try and um, contact agents. I don't know yet. I haven't decided yet. What advice would you have for somebody who's considering putting their own work out there and they don't want to go through like the big publisher because that's just, that's too much or they take too much chunk out of your cost. But what would you advise somebody who's considering that to do? I would advise them to do, again, go and do a lot of research. Um, it is very time consuming. It is a challenge. There are definitely days where you feel like I'm just going, I'm just always going to be this little fish in this giant pond. Um, but it is so rewarding just to get those few individuals that hear or talk about your work and share your work. So I would say the most important thing is to not give up. If that's what you decide to do, then definitely push on and never give up. And you can't be afraid to talk about yourself. Now that's, <laughs> I'm not a great salesperson, <laughs> never have been a great salesperson. So that's an area that I struggle with is just the promotional aspect of it. Um, yeah. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? To toot your own horn. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I say, yeah. I've always been a behind-the-scenes girl for majority of the time. Magic happened, and it's behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> and as an author, what other writers have inspired you? Oh, I am a huge fan, and my husband is too, of Stephen King. Aha! Uh -huh. So that's, you know, quite a different genre from Red Sox, but... <laughs> That's okay. A story's a story. Yeah, no, I've always loved him and his writing. Um, I really, really enjoy, well, this, I mean, he wasn't around when I was little, but when my boys were little, um, to read Drew Daywalt and The Day the Crayons Quit, The Day the Crayons Came Home. Uh-huh. I've always loved, uh, as a kid, it was Judy Bloom. <laughs> Judy Bloom. She's classic. Yeah, that's a classic. And, um... Yeah, it's just, there's there's so many books. And for my mom reading days of the, the little kids, it was Sandra Boynton. Oh, Nothing yes. like, you know, Oh My, Oh My, Oh Dinosaurs. We must have read that one so many times. And Pajama Time, that was the oh, go-to-bed song. Time. Yeah. Pajama Time was the book that we read when we had foster kids. Oh, yes. And it didn't matter what age they were. And my oldest daughter put that to a song. Oh, and so wonderful. And she would read it and sing it. Oh. And even now, if she sees it, the tune of it yeah. is so emotional for her because of all those memories of reading it to the kids. Oh. You know, and I've never, I wish they would have, maybe I should talk to her because I wish they would have put that to a tune so I could sing it. Because you're always trying to sing it, but you're like, I, I don't know if 
that's the right way. Yeah. I think I think she actually did come out with a CD in one of her books. Oh, did she? That, that actually is the song of the song of the book. That would be wonderful because I always, you know, pajama, jama, jama. You know, <laughs> you weren't too sure which range you were going. <laughs> I know, and it, and the kids don't know the difference. They just enjoy that you're doing that. Oh yeah. So you could you could have the worst pitch, the worst tone in the world, and they love it. Yes, that is true. <laughs> have you ever read Stephen King's book that's on writing? I have. Where he talks not. about. Oh, that's a really good one. It is one. a good one. You know, and that's, you know, there's always so many books that suddenly I hear, I have to add that to my pile. I have to remember mm-hmm. that. So. Well, if you, if you get that one on audiobook, yeah. he reads it oh. and it's kind of like going to uh, a class, a writing workshop that he's leading. Oh, I love it's that. It's really, really good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you like him. It's definitely worth it. I do. And an audio book. I've always kind of been, you know, the, the paper book. I've always got a, like a book in my hand. So that's, that's, that's okay. That's a new thing too. <laughs> I could try that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the book can just go wherever you go and it can talk at you. And it's sort of like having Stephen King sitting there reading story time. Right. Oh, <laughs> could you imagine? You. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> just sitting here with so- Stephen King. <laughs> Yeah, we're just chilling. Yeah. He's teaching me. Yeah. <laughs> so what books are on your nightstand right now? <gasps> right now, I'm so excited to start it. I have to finish another one, though. But I got I'm quite a fan of Ruth Ware. Mm-hmm. So her new one, The Turn of the Key, I finally got that one. It was on my Christmas list. And then um, I think they saved it for my birthday, so... Is your birthday recently? It just, it was the 19th. So it just was recent. Yeah. Oh, happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. It kind of falls between, well, it falls right around minor hockey week. So that usually takes, takes the cake there. (laughs) Oh, the moms, right? We take second fiddle. Oh, pretty much. But that's okay. Do you have a favorite Ruth Ware book that you've read already? Uh, Cabin 10 was really good. And I did like uh, Mrs. Westaway, too. Mm-hmm. And The Lion Game was good, too. I kind of, you know, I got turned on to her because of Stephen King. Did you? I did. He had tweeted out something about her book. And at that time, I think, it, I believe it was Cabin 10, where he said, this is a writer. You have to read this book. And so I picked it up. That's pretty high praise. I, yeah, I picked it up based on Stephen King's tweet. And I've actually enjoyed her writing quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to this new book of hers. Oh, good. Yeah, it's pretty exciting when there's a book that you're anticipating and it's just sitting there waiting for you. That's always such a good feeling. Yes. And then I know the other book that I have is uh, by AJ Finn. It's The Woman in the Window. Oh, yes. And I started. That's a really good book. Is it good? Oh, you know, it is good. The problem sometimes is that I pick up the book, I start reading it, and then I put it down and I can't remember where I put it. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that's that's really bad <laughs> but that's funny it is and there's another book that I was reading because I couldn't remember where I put the woman in the window so I started that other book and now I can't find that book but I did find the woman <laughs> in the window again so. oh my gosh you've got like a little gnome in your house it's just taking the books <laughs> yeah. and moving them I'm sure of it well it's like we, a Twilight Zone episode yes we were doing a bunch of renovations moving our oldest into the basement and then moving my youngest into his old room, and then I get my office back. 
So <laughs> Aha, look at that. Yeah, and so I seem to think some of these books got kind of picked up in the commotion and shifted places. So I will find them eventually, but <laughs> Well and Women in the Window is going to be a movie right away too. I read that. That's exciting. Yeah. Because I was quite yeah, impressed. I think really well. Yes. One of my other favorite books was Gone Girl. Oh, that one. Yeah, that's, I think in terms of like the domestic thriller, it's very hard to top that one for me. Yes. Because that one was just so, it, it made me so tense. Yes. In all the good ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. That was a great one. And then, yeah, they made the movie of that one too. So, but I really enjoyed the book. Yeah, that was quite good. Quite good. Yeah. What would you say is the last book that you told a friend they absolutely must read? I believe it would have been when I finished Ruth Ware's uh, Mrs. Westaway. Ah. And I did recommend, because I kind of went through them really quickly, I did recommend Cabin 10. And then the individual that I had recommended it to said it was too scary. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, but oh. you just got to get past this one point. So, Yeah, some books really do demand that you persevere with them. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's okay. I, I, there are definitely some books that I have read and I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to keep going past this point. And I'm always so glad that I did. Yes. Yeah. So is it, is it okay to ask what the title is of your next book or are you keeping that under wraps until you promote it? No, I can tell you the title is the bits and pieces of my day. Oh, and, and what's it about? <laughs> I have to tell you because <laughs> With Red Sox, it was very important to me to make the character so that it was never named. The character was never named as a boy or a girl. I wanted everybody to be able to pick up the book and read it. And mm -hmm. um, that fact seems to draw a lot of discussion in classrooms and at the schools because I often say to them near the end, raise your hand how many individuals thought that Sunshine was a boy. And then everybody raised their hand. And how many thought Sunshine is a girl? And somebody raises their hands. And then they often say, well, if you thought it was a boy, you're right. And then they're like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then I say, and if you thought it was a girl, you're right too. And they're like, yes, yes. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so then we have this discussion. So as in the new book, the bits and pieces of my day has characters in it, which are never named as being a boy or a girl, because it's important for the reader to decide that. But I can share, there's often little tidbits and secrets in there. Um, for example, in Red Sox, the character's name is Sunshine. Well, Sunshine is a nickname that I called my boys since they were young. Hmm. And I still say, good morning, Sunshine, every day. Aww. And in Bits and Pieces, Bits is actually the nickname that their grandma gave to one of the boys. And Pieces is a nickname that my that their grandma gave to the other to my other boy. And this one is based on sibling relationships. So I often say, if I tease them about the new book, how many of you have an older brother or an older sister and they raise their hands? And how many of you have a younger brother or sister and they raise their hands? And I say, well, do you think that sometimes your brothers or sisters are a pain in the butt? And we get all mm -hmm. the nods and claps and cheers. And so this book is just about the relationship between um, the character and the siblings, which are actually twins. So bits and pieces is what this character calls his, his or her younger siblings. Oh, that is really awesome. Yes. I love that. <laughs> and we have a key phrase running through it again. In Red Sox, it was a phrase of, I am strong. I feel ready. I can do anything. Mm -hmm. And in 
bits and pieces, you'll see a phrase come out, but it's more along the lines of a character kind of muttering under their breath, you know, I got to love my brothers and sisters. I got to love my siblings. But in this case, it's mm. bits and pieces. So. Oh, yeah. As, as a sibling and a mother of siblings. Yeah. I think that is a timeless relationship message. I, I love that you wrote a book about that. Yeah. And it's just a nice little rhyming phrase again, easy to remember and something that you can repeat to yourself. And it's just, um, I think the the last phrase of that is something like you're in my heart always or something. Hmm. That sounds horrible that if I can't remember it. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes you're so close to it. Yeah. Right. Then you, you miss it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And you said that book is coming out when? I don't know when. I have to decide what to do with it yet still. If I'm going to go the self-publishing route, I've already contacted. I was so thankful to grab Evan Monday, who is a fabulous author based in Toronto. And Evan actually writes a series called The Dead Kid Detectives, which is really cool because he's inserting Canadian history into his books and using a cool way to present it to the kids as a ghost detective that goes through and solves these issues. (laughs) So Evan has agreed to come on and do illustrations again if I decide to go the self-publishing route. But he was kind of egging me on to try and go into the mainstream, but we'll see. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you might try it? Uh, <laughs> it involves writing query letters. So that's, again, something new that I've got to research. And they're pretty hard to write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. It does require a lot, doesn't it? It does require a lot. And it's just something, the interesting thing about my writing and the books is that I don't quite fit into a certain category. I call it a picture book because it's got fabulous illustrations by Evan. Uh, But in the picture book genre, picture books are generally between, what is it, maybe 100 to maybe 500 words at the most. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm obviously a little bit more wordy. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm over a picture book category in some areas, but I'm under um, the chapter book stage. Well, you know, I am a big fan of stepping out of the box and doing <laughs> yes. things a little bit differently. Yes, you are so, inspiration. <laughs> I definitely applaud that you are not sticking to one particular category and the limitations that it presents Mm -hmm. you are writing the story you want to write and you're going to make it as long and as wordy and as full of illustrations as you want definitely you be the driver of this bus (laughs) you go i love it (laughs) well you're quite an inspiration yourself there so well thanks i appreciate that i appreciate that and i do wish you all the all the luck in the world with both books. I think this is just awesome. I love that you're doing this. Many people have that notion in the back of their mind. Oh, I'd love to write a book one day. I'd love to just put my words on paper and have other people read it and see my book on a shelf. You know, there's like a a reader's dream of having something that somebody else reads Uh and you have done it. Yeah. I never really think of that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I say, it's really cool when you hear other people tell you that they're wearing red socks or that they're trying something new because, you know, as an inspiration of that. And um, yeah, I think a while ago I told you about Asher. So my little friend there from Lloydminster. So. Oh yes. Tell us that story. Cause I don't know that everybody's heard that one. Oh, 
Um, in 2018, it must have been, I received an email from someone and they were telling me that an individual that they knew had received a copy of Red Sox Go With Absolutely Anything from his aunt. And this little guy was in Lloydminster and was going up for his third or fourth surgery, coming up to Edmonton for the stollery to have this surgery. And it's a fairly major surgery. He was going to be out of commission for quite a while and in a cast basically from his hip down to his ankle and was a little bit nervous about it. And his aunt gave him a copy of the book and he loved it and felt really empowered with that message phrase in there. And he actually started his own Red Sox campaign and it went through social media and was on Twitter for Red Sox for Asher. And he encouraged individuals to send him photos of themselves wearing Red Sox. And he received an anonymous benefactor who stated that for every photo that he received, they would give $5 in donation to the Stollery Children's Clinic. And it is, it's so cool. And I was on board with this immediately and was trying to push it as best I could and sent a little Red Sox care package down to him and um, just asked him whatever I could do, I'd help him out with. And I met him when he came up to the Stollery. We finally got to meet and it was really cool. I was so starstruck. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Asher. But um, (laughs) I love that you're the one who was starstruck. Oh, I know. I can't wait to meet you. So he was fabulous and his family is absolutely fabulous. And they are huge supporters of the Stollery's Children's Hospital. And he ended up receiving probably about 1,100 photos from individuals all over the world wearing their red socks for him. And wow. he met his $5,000 donation from the benefactor and actually surpassed it and ended up raising approximately $10,000 for the Stollery's Children's Hospital. Way to go, Asher. That I was know. amazing. Yeah. And he was all of the age of like seven. Oh, it was incredible. So for everybody who thinks that, you know, you can't do it. He was seven. Yeah. And he was not feeling at his best. And he did this. He did this. So y'all can do anything. Definitely. Oh, I love it. He really did embody what your book's message is all about. Yes. It was right? incredible. The, the, yeah. He's, oh, and the coolest part was I got to, I was invited down to speak at Asher's school. So once again, I got to meet Asher again and see how oh. he was doing. And by that time he had had a surgery and was moving around just fine and, you know, just getting into everything and started skating. He'd had a difficult time, never really been on skates too much, as mom was saying, but they are now skating and can't get him off the ice at the lake. And it's fabulous just to watch him grow and still stay in touch with with the family. It's incredible. They're a wonderful group. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What a great story. Yeah, his school was amazing too. They had They sent him a photo and they had all of their students in the gymnasium and took a group photo from someone above. They got up there and all those kids had their red socks on for Asher. It was incredible. Oh my word. That is such a promotion for your, for your vision. (laughs) Yeah, it is the coolest thing ever. But like I say to people, you know, our family is red socks and I tell the kids, you know, it's not a matter of having to have red socks. If you want to wear them that would be great i love the red socks but i tell them it doesn't have to be red it can be blue purple green whatever you want it can be your favorite shirt it can be your favorite shoes it can be your bracelet it can be anything that makes you feel empowered 
and makes you feel like you can do anything, gives you that extra Mm -hmm. boost of confidence. So. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. Now, Darla, where can people find you? Where can they find all about you and your progress and your inspirational message? Well, I am on social media, so you can find me on Facebook under Red Sox Go With Absolutely Anything. I am on Instagram as well, trying to get those photos out there. And and I'm also on Twitter. And most of all, you can look on the website, and that's redsoxwithanything.com. And I'm in the process of updating it, so it should have a fabulous new look coming soon. Now I've just held myself accountable for that, so... Well, that's very exciting. I'm so proud of you for what you're doing, that you took an idea that was based just on your computer and you moved it out there into the world to inspire others and you have won awards for it and you're recognized and you are now the author of two books. (laughs) What? Coming soon. (laughs) Holy cow. I'm amazed. I'm so amazed by you. Thank you so much for spending time telling us all about this today. Oh, thank you. I, like I say, you've been quite an inspiration. I love your story. I love your truck. <laughs> you, you know, I was fangirling that moment when I got to meet you because I'm sure it felt like I was stalking you, but I just had to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun day. It was. was really it was fun. fabulous to come, to come up with this idea. And like you say, talk about going out of the box and thinking out of the box and being challenged and never giving up. That is yourself because you are inspiring others to do that and pursue their dreams. Oh, thank you so much. And I totally do believe everything you said, you are strong, you are ready, you can do anything. If I didn't believe those things, I never would have proceeded either. So your message, you're right. It's not just for kids. It is for all persons. And I appreciate your encouragement. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me on your podcast. This is the first time I've ever been on a podcast. <laughs> Look at that. Cross it right off your list. I am. And yours was one of the first ones I've actually ever downloaded. So I am enjoying your podcast immensely. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored. <laughs> that, that means a great deal to me. Thank you so much. No problem. Ah, <laughs> oh, Darla is always so encouraging and inspiring. I have loved meeting with her. If you would like to hear more about Asher's story or read more about Red Sox Go With Anything, you can go to redsoxgowithanything.com. I will also put all the links to the books that Darla talked about in the show notes. So, of course, I'm not leaving you empty-handed because I always want you to have a way to get your hands on the books that we are talking about on this podcast. Because otherwise, that would be just teasing and I'm not down with that. And now it's time to roll on up to the business bar, where I sit down, grab a drink, and talk about the business side of book truck life. Come and take a seat. Come and take a seat with me. At the business bar. Today, I am drinking a pink grapefruit sparkling water. It's refreshing and satisfies all my cravings for pop. Since I'm not having any sugar, y'all, I have to be a little creative. And the flavored sparkling waters I found at my local grocery store have been so satisfying. I almost don't miss root beer or cream soda. Almost. (sighs) Cheers to the bubbles. 
So today in the Book Trek Chronicles, I want to take some inspiration from my blog, which is thebooktrekchick.blogspot.com. And I want to talk about three reasons why bookstores are still thriving. Some believe that Amazon and the mega bookstores are killing the smaller indie bookstores. In some cases, this may be true. Another story of Fox Books dominating the local book communities with their cheap books and legally addictive stimulants. That's just a quote from You've Got Mail, y'all. You know I love You've Got Mail. But take heart. Indie bookstores are sprouting up all over North America. And in many cases, they are the centers of community activities and events. Being in business is hard, expensive, risky. Many retail businesses just don't survive the first two years of being in operation. But somehow, we are still hearing about bookstores that are valued by their patrons, esteemed by fellow business owners, and relied upon to be the anchor tenants in neighborhoods. So why is it that the small independent bookstores are not just surviving, but being counted on to thrive and make a lasting impact on a reading community that chooses to support them? I've got three reasons. Reason number one, cozy ambiance. There is nothing like the warm, organic embrace of natural wooden shelves filled with paper books, inviting you to come closer and investigate their hidden treasures. There's often soft lighting, delicately placed ornaments, lifestyle decor with personal literary touches strewn about. There is no feeling like strolling casually between loaded bookshelves, taking a leisurely break from the chaos of life to get lost in the sweet piece of book covers, promising adventure, drama, and intrigue. Your fingertips can slide along the spines of any genre, books new and old, and you can choose any book to take out, flip through, and consider getting to know better. Soft music often plays, people move about in quiet contemplation, and the happy ring of the bell over the door reminds you that readers just like you have joined the party. And we can pause for a moment and talk about the familiar bookstore smell? It is not a myth. Readers anticipate it, they breathe deeply that organic mixture of time and creativity, and yes, some even open a book and hold it up to their nose to get a whiff. I have done this, maybe you have as well. There is no place like an indie bookstore. Each one reflects the character and passion of its owner, so there are no two alike. That is magical. We all need some magic. Reason number two. We love our books. Technology is wonderful. If it weren't for our reliance on digital devices and communication, you wouldn't be listening to this right now, would you? It was a natural tendency to assume that when technology became such a powerful influence on our lives, it would replace other ways of information gathering and entertainment. After all, we have the whole world in our pockets now. So when ebooks first came on the scene with their fancy e-readers and 100 book storage capacity, readers were gallantly wooed. They tried it, dabbled in swiping a bar instead of flipping a page, and for a time, it seemed the paper books were about to meet their demise. But that did not happen. Readers who love the feel, the smell, and the raw experience of a paper book could not be convinced that a screen would replace their favorite way to read. 
Some readers like both. Some prefer one over the other. And the e-books versus tree books debate still rages. But paper books are still wildly popular, and there is no sign of them going away anytime soon. Audiobooks have risen in popularity over the last couple of years, with companies like Libro FM offering thousands of titles that readers can have read to them on any portable device, which is awesome because it just means finding another creative way to fit stories into their busy lives. I personally really, really support Libro FM because as they are an audiobook provider, like some of those mega companies, Libro.fm actually puts money back into the local independent bookstores that you already love and support. So please give Libro.fm a shot if you're going to look for audiobooks because they are just wicked awesome. Readers, we got to read. And yet, paper books are still near and dear to our hearts. The number three reason why I think bookstores aren't going anywhere? Because it's old school and we love retro. So much commercial design has modern sleek lines of glass and chrome reflective of our technologically refined culture. Minimalism has taken root in many retail spaces, displaying sterile environments with blank white walls and shiny floors. But bookstores remind us of the libraries and the comfy reading nooks that we grew up with, aisles loaded with memories, history, and imagination galore. It's like being a kid again. If you were like me, and I kind of think maybe you are a little. You remember the thrill of going to the library and having access to so many more titles than your precious little hands could hold. We cannot duplicate the feeling of being in a room filled with books laid out for our service with any technology. There is just nothing like it. We loved it when we were young, and as adults, we love the same jubilant feeling of stepping into an environment that seems to be removed from the stress and temporary insanity that fills the world we live in. Going into a bookstore evokes a sense of calm wonder like nowhere else. Cafes have the background noise of grinders, steamers, and the constant hub of conversation, but bookstores invite you to talk quietly, revere the harmony of paper and imagination, and remind you that what is old is new again, and better than ever. So those are my three reasons why I think bookstores are not going anywhere. And I would love to hear what you love about bookstores. Tell me what your favorite independent bookstores are. Let's make a list and shout them out. I am all for it. Supporting local bookstores is so important, and I have been so grateful for all the comments and support I've received from you, not just about the book truck, but also the podcast and the conversation that occurs. I am so thankful for all of you for tuning your precious little ears into my stories and the things that we have to say here. I love it. We are definitely creating a community of readers that is awesome and wild, and I I just love you guys. And if you want to hear more about episodes that are coming up or events that are happening, please subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening to, because then you won't miss a new episode and you can leave comments and feedback and we can just keep this conversation going. What do you say? We are not just a reading community here. We are also a business community. And I do believe that in business, we should aim to be relevant, be generous, be un forgettable. Until next time, happy reading! Today's chapter of the Book Truck Chronicles has been brought to you by 
that amazing magic that happens when a book becomes a film that is awesome. Like Little Women. Have you seen it? If you haven't, go see it. It's awesome. Just that. It's, it's just awesome. That's all I have to say. Just, it's awesome.